Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Conversations. It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Hello. Hello. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good, too. Are you ready? I'm all set. What is yoga therapy, and how did you get into it? Well, I got into yoga therapy because I was getting a master's in counseling, and it was really clear to me that I wasn't learning enough about how to bring the body into the therapeutic process, and it felt really important and essential to me. And that was 20 years ago. So since then, now we all know that the body is sort of a necessary part of the therapeutic process. But back then, that wasn't taught in counseling or psychology or psych programs. So right away, as soon as I finished my master's, I went back and um, got certified in yoga therapy. And there's a zillion different kinds of yoga therapy schools. Mine was really oriented towards the psycho-emotional process. So much less about the physical physical Mm -hmm. body in terms of how you think about yoga. So not at all really about stretching or strengthening, more about using the body to have a conversation about what's happening emotionally. So looking at the mind-body connection. Do you feel like breath work is also essential? Does that come into play for when you are doing this? Yes. Um, breath work is for sure essential. And I don't really mean breath work. I mean, certainly you can practice breath work or in yoga, they will call it pranayam, different kinds of kind of breath control exercises. But at the base of it, we need to be taking a diaphragmatic breath. So meaning that when you take a breath and you feel kind of the belly, low back, low sides expand a little bit, not just the chest, you're taking a diaphragmatic breath. And when you do that, you turn on your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the part of your nervous system that keeps things calm, that keeps you able to handle the stressors of the day. And so a huge part of staying in that more relaxed space is learning to take a diaphragmatic breath, not just for five minutes a day, but all day long. And so when you practice breath work, you get better and better at doing that all the time. And that's super important because it just has a huge physiological impact. Yeah. Don't you think they should be teaching that in schools like grade school, high school? Yeah. I think that that just be a a class that kids take because it's vital. Yeah. It drives me insane that we have so little learning around our bodies. Like we do Second grade, I mean, I have actually um, taught because my daughters, when they were in elementary school, Mm -hmm. I would volunteer in their classroom. And I honestly taught a lot of the exact same things to those little kids that I do to adults. They are totally able to take that in. They are able to understand their stress response, their relaxation response. They're able to understand um, focusing your mind in order to kind of improve your attention networks. Like they get all of that. And that's so valuable and makes us so much more successful in life that, um, yeah, it drives me crazy that that's not just like a basic thing that why don't kids learn that in PE or in, it doesn't make any sense. And they would be so much more open, I would think, because, well, A, they're not jaded and B, because 
some kids are stressed. Some kids have stressful home lives or, you know, they get stressed about school and stuff, but in general, you know, they don't have to bring home the bacon or they don't have the stresses that a lot of adults have. So they would be more open. I would feel like to being receptive to anything that you introduce to them, like, Oh, this is how I'm supposed to breathe when I get scared. Or, you know, I just think kids would be way more easy to teach it to than adults. They are. They're easy and they're so fun. Like it, it is a really fun practice to teach. I actually have more fun teaching um, meditation and breathing to kids than yoga because you get into a classroom and yoga, it, it's like an invitation to lose their minds. Right. And so that's <laughs> fine. it can be super fun. Um, but it, it feels like you're just a little bit off the mark in terms of what you're trying to teach them. Um, but meditation and breathing is super easy to teach kids and really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely should somehow get incorporated in the school system. I don't know how we make that happen, but I yeah. think it would be vital. So you have two kids, you said? Yeah, I have a 13 and a 16-year-old, both girls. Oh, my God. Okay, so not only do you have stress, they do too, because I know I had a teenage daughter once. Uh -huh. so do they? Do you incorporate this with them, or do they just, like, roll their eyes, like, yeah, whatever, Mom, you don't understand? Um, It's sort of all of the above. Like, I've always <laughs> tried to incorporate some of this stuff. They do not want to do yoga. They don't want to meditate. But I think that they have learned enough that they have some self-regulation skills. And for me, that's sort of the best that I can hope for. I have a feeling that they will wind up doing yoga and meditation and all of that. But right now, it's a little bit like that's mom's thing. Right. Um, but for sure, like, you know, when they were little, we would do body scans as they were having trouble going to sleep. And when they were littler, before they were teenagers, they loved it. Like they would ask me to guide them through some guided meditation if they weren't sleeping well or feeling scared. And I think that that just has made its way into their cells. And so they have more tools to sort of figure out how to deal with stress as a result, even if um, they're not going to do it with me these days. <laughs> well, so you like going through the the mind and the body and the brain to make to make wellness happen. But if somebody is going through stress, do you have like a tip that stands out to you that you could share a way to decompress? Yes. I mean, you know, there's these days there are so many um, apps that you can mm -hmm. turn on if you just like to do guided relaxation. So that's a sort of easy easy way to go if you want somebody to guide you through some relaxation techniques. But um, I think more important than that is to take pauses throughout the day, even if it's just two minutes. So two to three minutes of diaphragmatic breathing is long enough to start to reset your nervous system. So on a scale of one to five, right, if you're at a three and you can feel yourself getting more stressed and you know you're going to start to overreact at some point or start to sort of lose it, that's the time before you're in that full-on stress response to just check in and give yourself two or three minutes to breathe. So when I say take a diaphragmatic breath, I mean count the breath and see if you can take an inhale to four or five and an exhale to four or five and see if you can feel your stomach kind of expand as you're inhaling and contract as you're exhaling. So that the few minutes of diaphragmatic breath will really help to start to shift back into a more relaxed state. And during that time, you can also just notice. So notice things like, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Do I have to go to the bathroom? 
So, so often when we're feeling anxious or stressed, we think it's because we have too many things on our plate, but really it's oftentimes because we're not meeting our physical needs. And when our body's needs don't get met, it sends a message to the brain that we're not safe. And your brain's job is to keep you alive. Like that's what our brains evolved to do, keep you alive. They're not, <laughs> your brain is not there to keep you happy, right? It's to keep yeah. you breathing. So if your brain gets a message from the body that you're not safe, it will turn on that stress response. So sometimes you're in fight or flight because you're hungry, you're thirsty, you've been at your desk all day and you haven't walked around and your body is feeling uncomfortable and unsafe. So in those two or three minutes that you do a few times a day, you're breathing, but you're also just noticing, hey, is there anything like top of mind that my body needs right now? And if you can give yourself that, give yourself two minutes to take a break and go to the bathroom. Like how many times are you like one more email and then I'll pee, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. We, I do it. We do it all the time. And again, yeah. that little choice is really sending that message to your brain that things are not okay. And so then suddenly what would have been a stressor that felt more like a challenge becomes a stressor that feels overwhelming. Gosh, that is so true too. I mean, there's been times where I've been busy in front of the computer and busy, and then things just aren't going right. And it feels like, oh, why is everything so difficult? Why is this so hard? And then it's like, I don't think I have gotten up and had a drink of water in probably four hours. So maybe I just need to step away, get a drink, walk around a little bit, move my limbs and, and come back fresh. Yeah. With a little fresher perspective. Yeah. It's so helpful. And it's so funny. Like our minds tell us lies all day long. Like uh, it will be better if we just get this one more thing done. Timing wise, it makes no difference. What is the difference if you get up for two minutes now or get up for two minutes in an hour? Like it's not yeah. going to make a difference in what you accomplish in your day. It's actually going to make a difference in that it's going to be easier to accomplish what you want to accomplish because you're not in your stress response. And when right. you're in a stress response, you're not very talented. Your gifts are not at the surface when you're in that state. Oh, 100%. You are not at your peak level of performance at that point. Right. But when there's chronic stress, we start to, um, it, it becomes harder and harder to discern how stressed we are. So another thing I often suggest is off is also like when you're doing those pauses, just notice on a scale of one to 10, how high your stress level is so that you can start getting kind of a baseline. When do I feel good? When do I not feel so good? Because oftentimes we're stressed all day and, and it's like we've lost track of it because it's little by these little stress gains all day and it feels normal. Right. But it's not normal, right? There's this low level cortisol adren adrenaline in your system that's raising your heart rate, that's making you uncomfortable, that's making your vision narrow. All these things are happening, but they we're like sort of used to them. Um, so part of those pauses is also just to gain awareness. Oh, I'm not feeling that great. Oh, I'm, I'm more yeah. tense than I realized. Like what would happen if I took a, a walk around the block right now, or even just ran up and down the stairs two times, it could make a huge difference. Does it matter if you're breathing through your nose or your mouth? 
It's better to breathe through your nose because your nose filters out toxins. It also is way more hydrating. So when you breathe through the mouth, you you get more dehydrated. Sure. So definitely better to breathe through the nose, particularly the inhale. So a few big breaths out of the mouth can actually be kind of relaxing, but more important is that the inhale is with the mouth closed. That's super important. Mindfulness practice in general, yoga is one of them, meditation is one of them. Walking or doing the dishes can be a mindfulness practice. All mindfulness is, is paying attention to the present moment without judgment. So most of the time when we're worrying, we're worrying about the past or the future. We're not actually focused on what's happening right now. I could be having this conversation with you and having a whole conversation behind, sort of in the back of my head, about how I'm inarticulate, I stink, uh, <laughs> I didn't figure out dinner for tonight, you know, like, a, 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 like just a whole laundry list of things that have nothing to do with what's happening right this minute. Right. So the why more, do we do that to ourselves? What are we doing? Yeah. I mean, we do it because we're human and we have a natural tendency to be on the lookout for what could go wrong. Right. Because again, your brain evolved to help you survive. So it wants you to be vigilant and make sure you've kind of crossed all the, all the T's. Um, but if we can train our mind, which our minds are fully trainable, if we can train our mind to stay right where we are without having this conversation about what's wrong, um, we lower our stress level a, hu a huge amount. So this is one of the benefits of meditation, just giving yourself five to 10 to 20 minutes in a day to just stay right here, to give your mind something to do. You could focus on the way you're breathing. You could focus on how many seconds you breathe out, how many seconds you breathe in. You just give your mind something to do that's present moment oriented. Notice the sensations in your body and you keep pulling your mind. It'll wander a thousand times. You'll be making dinner in your imagination and realize, oh, I'm making dinner. You just keep pulling yourself back. And right. that pulling yourself back to the object of your attention is where you get the benefits largely, where you get the benefits of meditation because you're training those attention networks to stay present, to stay right here. You could be doing that when you're washing the dishes, like give yourself a break from thinking about your to-do list and feel the temperature of the water on your hands. Notice what it feels like to wash the dish. So you could use that mindfulness practice in a zillion different ways. It doesn't have to be yoga and meditation, but that practice in itself will rewire your brain to stay present more often, to worry less often, and again, so much of this is about regulating your nervous system, which has everything to do with how you feel moment to moment. Yeah. So what's next for you? Are you going to write a book? You know, people have asked me that a lot. The, what I've been kind of interested in is creating more of a workbook. Like I really love tools and toolboxes. Mm -hmm. Like you could just keep asking me for one more and I will never. I will never, ever come to the end of this <laughs> podcast because there's so many things that people can do that are really helpful. And my interest is what's the thing that's most helpful for you, John? And how is that different for your BFF? Like, I really like to help people individualize these practices so they find the sweet spot that works for them. So if I ever wrote a book, I think it would be a workbook. Okay. Or are you going to do a podcast? 
I don't know. I really love being on podcasts. <laughs> you make like, a better guest. I'm than a host. also interested in doing less work. Like what I said at the very beginning about my day, I love that I can have a day with chunks of time where I go for a walk or I do a podcast or I teach a class or I'm working with somebody one-on-one -on -one, or I'm picking my daughter up for lunch in the middle of the day because she's having a crappy day and she asks me to come and take her for coffee. Like that's the kind of day I love. So yeah. I'm really interested in sort of dialing, getting really, really focused on what I love most and just doing that so that I have space to do that. That's awesome. That's like ideal. Do you do things virtually then uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you or, or is it all in person? No, most of my work is virtual. So okay. I do see clients. I live in Salt Lake City and I do see clients for um, yoga therapy here. But um, the courses that I teach and the yoga classes that I teach, I have a um, I have a virtual membership where we do live classes on Zoom. So all of my virtual work is on Zoom. So there's that sort of, we are here, we are looking at each other, um, but then I can work with people all over the place. Okay, and how can they how can they find you? Rachelposner.com, <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> that does you make find me there. There's a freebie there to sign up for my, um, to sign up for a free practice and that puts you on my email list and I try to keep in touch with my, community, at least monthly, sometimes weekly, depending on what's happening in life. But at least monthly, I reach out and say hi, and here's what I'm doing. And here's what I've been thinking about these days. So that's the easiest way to be in touch with me. Yeah. Were you doing virtual stuff before COVID? It's funny, right before the year before COVID was when I decided I want to offer an online course. It was called Your Brain on Mindfulness. And I want to talk about what happens in your brain when you practice mindfulness. And so I created a course online. I was living in Spain. So my whole family moved to Spain. We were there for two years. And that first year, I thought this is a really good excuse. I have more free time than I've had in a long time to figure out how to do things online. So I had all of that worked out and figured out and then COVID hit. And it was um, awesome in that yeah. I could really connect with people in ways that I actually hadn't been connecting because I was overseas and it didn't occur to me I could teach yoga or offer yoga therapy online. That didn't seem realistic. Um, but when COVID hit, you know, that's what we all did. And it turns out it works great. And in fact, for a lot of people, it works better. So, um, yeah, I sort of timed things quite well. Yeah, you did. Front. I think it was a wake up call in a lot of ways and really made people think outside the box in a lot of cool ways. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not happy it happened, but it was interesting how it turned out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so I think that this is, it, it, it wasn't meant to, it, <laughs> Okay, let me start over. I, whenever I would be very confused about something, especially parenting wise, I would call my mother-in-law and she would always say, Rachel, it sounds like you're doing exactly the right thing. And my whole body would be like, oh, thank you. And so what I realized is that um, Sylvia was not it was her way of giving me advice. And the underlying um, lesson that she was trying to teach me was you have enough skills. 
You don't have to get advice. You don't have to look outside. You have enough skills. You have all the resources you need. Yes, there could maybe be other pathways that someone else might think is better, but you are choosing the pathway based on your skills and your resources and your intuition and just go with your gut. Stop doubting yourself. Yeah. So she didn't use those words, but I know over time of having heard her say that those words, you're doing just the right thing over and over across many years. It, it's like it trained me. It really helped me to trust my gut. And I see that a lot with people that I work with. They're looking for one more skill for one more um, accolade and or yeah, just sort of looking outside. And really, that's what yoga therapy is about. It's helping people find their own answers. I don't give any advice. I don't lead them in any particular way. I just ask enough questions that people find the answers for themselves. Inside. Yeah. Inside themselves. Exactly. Yeah. It's so much easier just to say, oh, I'll, I'll go find the answer. I'll go. I will right. don't want to look inside. It's too dark in there. <laughs> but really, the answer that you find inside is always the better answer. And it's always the easier answer to follow. So we know like we've gotten so much advice in our life and half of the time it goes in one ear and out the other. So I could tell someone to do something, but they're unlikely to follow that if it didn't really resonate. And so yeah. if you can just get it for yourself, it's way more powerful than hearing it from outside. That's so true. Rachel, thank you so much. This was such a great interview. I'm so happy we met and I got to talk to you. Me too. It was yeah. Yeah, so fun. Thank you yes, so much for having me. I loved being here. Great. Thank you. And I will be in touch. Okay. All right. Have take care. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.